Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott Scott Podcast and today I'm joined by Josh Freer. How are we? I'm alright, mate. How's yourself? I'm not too bad, mate. And we're also joined by Tony Welsh. Tony, how are we? Aye, good, mate. Good, mate. So, obviously, we've got a lot to discuss on this week's episode, so we're just going to dive right into it and we're going to talk about the old firm game from a couple of weeks ago where Celtic beat Rangers 2-0 at Ibrox and Tony Welsh, obviously, you're a Celtic man. Uh, obviously, you are delighted. Brilliant result for Celtic. Um, I spoke to you since then and said it was a very controlled performance by Celtic. Although they weren't spectacular, it was still a business as usual job. Well done at Ibrox for Celtic. So delighted with that. Um, Josh, I felt as though it was a massive missed opportunity from Rangers. Uh, no, it was. It was uh, um, they kind of bottled it, to be honest with you. Um, I think before the game, if you were to ask me, I would have agreed with you. I thought that Rangers would win, but um, but no, they just didn't turn up really. And I think it comes down to the lineup and how Steven Gerrard picked his size, you know. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, I felt as though honestly Rangers lost that game due to the way Gerrard set up. Honest to God, that we lost that game due to the way Gerard set up. And when I seen that team selection, uh, Tony, I was baffled. I could not believe it. Starting a reboot out wide, we started with no wingers. Like I could not wrap my head around it. Aye, it was I, the minute I saw the lineup, I thought we could easily get a result here. And, aye, uh, no wingers against Celtic, even in at Ibrooks at home. For Rangers is still a pretty bold decision and I think that comes down to Stephen Gerrard's kind of maybe lack slight lack of experience in these kind of bigger games you know see Gerrard right Gerrard usually gets it right Tony he always does and I think he is a good manager he's got potential to go right to the top right and I think a lot of Stephen Gerrard I'm a huge fan but that in that old firm game, that was his bigger, sorry, his biggest tactical horror show since uh, coming to the club as a manager. I do not know what he was thinking. We set up so negative. It was like we were we, we set up to play against a top opposition side away from home. It was I could not wrap my head around it. We 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 should have like came out right from the uh, the traps, got in your faces, been right been right up for it, attacking. And causing you problems in the final third and all that kind of stuff, but we did not do any of that. No, I mean, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting, and I said to you the night before when we were talking about it, uh, I thought it had been a high-scoring game for both teams. Uh, Rangers would have been going for it, Celtic would have been going for it, end end stuff, and whoever got the result would have probably nicked it. But I, I was very surprised with that team sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was baffling. For me, Jordan Jones should have started, especially after his fantastic performance against Elijah Wasser and uh, three nights prior. He was phenomenal, changed the game completely, and his performance against Legia merited a start against Celtic. But we didn't start him, we brought him on quite late on in the game, which was baffling to me. So, and obviously, we started Jermaine Defoe. I did say. Uh, before the whole firm, uh, before the firm game, that I would want to phone the team, and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. Obviously, that never worked out, and it doesn't help the fact, Josh, that we were playing long ball football to Jermaine Defoe, who is a small guy and he's up against two six foot defenders. Makes no sense. No, it doesn't. No, Celtic were quite compact at the back. It didn't really allow. Uh, Rangers to have any clear cut chances, or well, I think especially in the first half, um, there wasn't really much in it apart from 
No, no, there was really not much in the first half, and even even throughout the entire game, like Tony, you and I spoke about this at the weekend. It wasn't a good quality game of football, was it? No, it was a crappy game. Uh, I think Celtic, to be honest, from the kickoff started the game pretty confidently, especially with putting the ball back into Rangers' half. I thought that was a bit of a big statement they were making, and I like to see that. Uh, other than that, and obviously the goal, I first half especially was maybe quite a scrappy game of football. Um, I think you do have to give Celtic's defence credit, but considering it was a makeshift defence, I thought they defended absolutely brilliantly, especially El Hamid. I thought he had an outstanding game at right back, and then he obviously got shifted over when uh, Beaton had to go off injured and into centre back. But, but I thought our defence was outstanding. But then again, right, I would say outstanding is a wee bit OTT, considering the fact that. We had no wingers, right? And we were, we caused no problems, right? There was no creativity out wide. And our only real game plan was hoofing a ball up to Jermaine Defoe, who is a small guy, up against two six-foot defenders. And there's only really going to be one outcome in that situation. Well, there was that tackle that El Hamid put in. It was in the first couple of minutes, Defoe got a chance through, and that El Hamid slid in, put it out for a corner. It was a brilliant tackle. I just thought, it wasn't it. It wasn't a Rangers day, right? You could just tell it was going to be like that from the get-go. And then, I don't know, I just thought as the game kind of went on, there was a few kind of key tackles or key wee things just kind of seemed to be going our way that, I don't know, kind of maybe enforced a bit by our defence. I was kind of glad to see, obviously. And obviously, see, um, the first goal, we'll talk about this, the first goal, the Rangers defence fell asleep completely. So we did, and don't get me wrong, it's a decent ball through, but that ball should not be getting through. Our defence, yet again, just completely fell asleep, and then it got through, then obviously when Edward gets the ball with no one on him, there's really only going to be one outcome in that situation. So I felt as though um, we did gift Jews uh, two goals, but I'll come on to the second goal in a minute, but uh, what were you saying there, Tony? Must have been frustrating, eh? the fact that the first goal was given away by Goldson. Gift to Mikey Johnson, who just puts a perfect ball through to Edward. And, eh? When he's throwing goal, he's scoring all, every day of the week. Eh? I, I would say it was a slop, sloppy goal to lose from a Rangers point of view anyway. And you brought up Goldson there, eh, Tony. Goldson, I like him, right? But I don't know what's been up with him right? recently. He's not been all that great. And usually, well, last season he was uh, Gerard's first choice defender. But I feel right now he needs a wee break out of the team. Give Hollander a wee run. He spent, I think it was around about £4 million on him. Um, one of our marquee signings of the summer. I think the guy deserves a chance to show what he's capable of. Like, drop Goldson. Because right now it, he thinks he is bulletproof. I said this last season about him. He was, he was poor for a wee while. And he felt it was always bulletproof then. I think he was out of the team for a wee bit and then he came back in and he was good again. But I think he just needs a break out of the team. Then go Hollander and uh, Katic at the back. And Katic, I've been a big fan of him since he's came back in the fold, so I have. So that's what I would do. And I think most Rangers fans will agree with me that Goldson needs a break out of the team. Um, but yeah, going on to the second goal, um, I'm not really going to look into that too much. And um, so I said to you at the weekend, Tony, it was... We threw everybody forward, right? It was late in the game. We were trying to get equaliser and we only had one guy back. And I've seen a lot of Celtic fans saying, oh, it was such a great counter-attack move. I don't think it was, mate. I felt it was a very lucky counter-attack only due to the fact that we had one guy back. 
Nah, mate, I'll disagree just because I think Celtic as a team have always been really brilliant and quick on the counter-attack. Uh, I, I noticed a lot of their goals coming against Rangers in recent years have been on counter-attacks. Um, there's been a few, especially at Ibrox over the years, but I thought it was a brilliant counter. So quick. I do, I do understand what you're saying, right? There was only one guy back, but I think... The fact that they managed to get the ball down and just play it up so quick, you have to give Celtic credit for that because it was done brilliantly. But as I was saying earlier on, Tony, it is infuriating the fact that how we set up and we just we just set up like we were playing for a point. That's what it was. Exactly, it was just, mate. It, 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 it's I understand infuriating. That. Yeah, and was, I mean, with the game, uh, the December game last year when Rangers beat Celtic 1 0, it was a similar situation. As to tell before the ball was kicked that day that Celtic had set up to get beat after what Brendan Rodgers at the time had said his post match interview and the way he set his team up. It's horrible. I know the feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was um, it was a really big missed opportunity for Rangers, uh, as I was saying. Um, and it was, but yeah, I would see right after the game, uh, Tony. Right after the game, mate, I was, I was, of course, I was absolutely. Like, I wasn't like, I, I was extremely disappointed, right? But I wasn't like seething or anything like that. I was just scunnered, mate. Like I, I just couldn't believe it. I was just like, I was, I was sitting in a pub and I was saying to my uncle, I was like, what did I just witness there? Like. Like I, I went into that game as you as you both know. I I was optimistic. I was like we've been playing some good stuff. We're, we're undefeated so far. We're, we're first of all game of the season. Saturday drops. Let's do this. I think we can beat Celtic here. And then what went through Gerard's mind? I do not know. Do not know what he was thinking. And I I did see after the game he's having a go at the players and that. I think he should really take full uh, accountability for how he set up. And I think uh, it was his fault how we lost that game. Of course, the players were poor, but like look at the situation they were given. Obviously, especially Adebo, like set up with no wingers, so negative, you know. And and obviously we will see a reaction from this. Um, and Gerard knows, like as as you were saying earlier on, Tony. Of course, he's still he's like over a year into the job. Of course, he's still inexperienced and whatnot, but. Yes, he will learn from that, and I don't think he'll set up something to get up again. And going into the game against Celtic at Parkhead, that'll be a big, big game for us. We need to make a statement in that game. We cannot afford to lose that. It's a big game, but it's also a big ask uh, from a Rangers point of view to go to Celtic Park and win. Um, I, I just think it's one of those places Celtic are so comfortable playing, especially against Rangers again, and for, for a number of years now. Been brilliant against Rangers, especially at Parkhead. Mm. Um, I remember I it was the night before uh, the old firm game. I remember speaking to you, Scott, about the game, uh, and I was kind of saying how it was a game, the game at Ibrox there. It was a game that Celtic could afford to lose, but I think it was a game that Rangers couldn't really afford to lose. Uh, I'm not saying the league's over or anything like that. It's far too early to come out with something like that, but I just think it's going to hit Rangers more than it would have hit Celtic. Uh, it's only like four games in. Um, I was speaking to a Celtic fan all the week, right? And he was getting all this and that. That Celtic leaves, oh, leaves already over, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mate, like, calm down, right? It's one, it, one old firm game. Uh, like, first old firm game of the season, right? Four games in, come on, right? Still a long, long way to go. So there is. And even if Rangers did win that, mate, like, if Rangers did win that, I was, like, obviously, you know my thoughts and, like, 
I'm very confident Rangers will still do it this season right and win the league but I wouldn't be hitting it with like the patter after the saying that league's over and all that even if we won it you know but obviously no, yeah. I'm not going to suggest that for a minute especially after the amount of games that are played I just think Celtic haven't if they had went and lost that game at Ibrox I just think given the fact from their experience of knowing how to handle that kind of big stage pressure they would have been able to overcome it maybe a bit more than Rangers have because they've not maybe been as used to that amount of pressure of staying top of the table in recent years as Celtic have yeah, I know what you're saying I know yeah. what you're saying yeah so but it was, um, it was, it was like I know what you're saying, right? But it's just the fact that we went, we were going into that game with such optimism, and the fans were really optimistic. And then, see as soon as you seen the team sheet, all the enthusiasm just, just fell away. And uh, Jordan Jones, this has to be said. Um, obviously, I said he should have started. Um, he he put a really bad tackle into Bayer, so he did towards the end of the game. And he ended up hurting himself in the process, and he's out for a month. That was a daft thing to do, especially that late in the game. It was just kind of, it was needless. And then obviously he's ended up hurting himself in, in the bargain. So I really disappointed there from a Rangers point of view again. Yeah, it was just complete rage. That's what it was. And uh, I seen that he actually um, apologised to Bayer. Uh, I think I don't know if you seen that, Tony. No, they did, you know, fair enough to him, but I think at the time you just can't lose your head like that. You know, the game's over by that point anyway. I mean, you're just looking to help somebody. I just don't see the point, personally. Yeah, it was yeah. It was just like, as I was saying, it was just red mist and he was just angry, frustrated, and uh, and it obviously he was, he was trying to hurt him then. Look what happened. He injured himself in the process, but... For John Jones' sake and for Rangers' sake, it's not too bad. He's only going to be out a month. And there was rumours uh, after the game he's going to be out for a wee while and that, but he's okay. And I think he's fine. But he's not included in the Europe League squad. Ah, well, that's obviously a big loss to Rangers as well. Yeah, but um, that's, a nice, that's a nice wee segue um, because obviously Rangers have signed Ryan Kent, Josh. And this, was, this the news came the day after the old firm game because obviously Rangers fans were... The spirits were low. Then the Rangers board pulled this uh, one out the bag and signed Ryan Kent for £7 million. Pounds. Uh, what a big get that is, Josh. Yeah, no, it's a great signing for Rangers. Obviously, we all know what he's done last season for you guys. Um, did he not win player of the season for you as well? He won, uh, I think it was Jumper. Yeah, I, I think it was Jumper. Right. I think it might be Jumper, yeah. Uh, but no, like I was saying, you can tell what his quality is and what he can do with the ball. And I think that's an ideal um, replacement for Jones <laughs> in the meantime, you know. Oh, definitely. Uh, you would probably play Kent ahead of Jones anyway, wouldn't you? Or, yeah, definitely, you know. mate. Um, I do, I'm a, I'm a big fan of John Jones, right? I do like him a lot. But uh, Ryan Kent, for me, I, I put on Twitter, is a game changer for Rangers. That is That is crucial. Like... I think that's us pretty much near enough complete. Obviously, I still have my reservations about left back and uh, outright. Uh, so I do because I'm not convinced on Ojo. I'm not far from it. Um, but yeah, like Ryan Kent, we had to get him, and especially after that debacle against Celtic, we were, that game. That game was screaming out Tony for a Ryan Kent. We were crying out for someone like him. 
Aye, you were trying for a bit of creativity for us, but that was exactly what you were missing that game. Uh, I, I agree, like, I rank it a brilliant signing for Rangers. Uh, seven million, well, good bit of business. I just think the only question I would answer over it is, you know, from again from Rangers, seven million pounds a lot of money to put on one player if he gets injured or dips in form, you know, is it going to be money well spent? I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I just mean, I've, you know, Celtic have had a lot of kind of problems with players like that over the years. They've won good season and then that form dips and they don't live up to your expectations. It could happen. But I'm still like, no, I think it be it is money well spent and it's, I think it's worth every penny to be honest, Tony. Like, and obviously you we, we had to like break the bank for ranking. I said that towards the end of last season, and uh, Which, on you. It's shown a bit of intent. Uh, it's definitely intent by Rangers, you know, going out and buying ranking, especially as you said uh, when they were maybe a bit deflated after the old fun game. Uh, I think it's a as a big statement, you know. You've got to got to hand that. Oh yeah. Um, what I will say is obviously Ryan Kent was again Celtic he scored last season in one of the games he played brilliant that game uh, I just I don't think he has a game changer so we'll soon see if he keeps his form mm-hmm. and uh, you know, as you were saying there Tony like that game against uh, Celtic last season where we were like we, we were playing with 10 men then we had Ryan Kent up top on his own and the guy was outstanding for us and he scored and then obviously towards the end of the game, see Red Mist where Scott Brown was winding up the whole game, and he obviously jabbed him, and he just was sick of it because Brown's a, a wind up the action, and uh, Ryan Kent just had enough. But and then well, obviously when that happened, that that really that's where the, the well, obviously Rangers fans loved him before uh, hand, but when he done that, I think that's what made, made the Rangers fans love him even more so. Um, but yeah, like I think we were really waiting on the the Europa League money. Because see, if we didn't make the Europa League, Tony, there was no way we were going to get Ryan Kent, to be honest. No, definitely not, mate. I would 100% agree with that. What I will say, though, is that uh, I think I was actually worried that if Rangers didn't make the Europa League, they would have the league to concentrate on. And if Celtic did, we would obviously be playing more games than you. So that was, to be honest, a big concern of mine. Uh, just feeling that you would maybe have that slight advantage, but obviously you have made it and... I know you probably are thinking, why would a Celtic fan say that? But it's wee things like that that I just think can make a big difference in a, a title race. Mm. Yeah, uh, another perfect example of that, Tony, is like uh, back uh, over, I think, 11 years ago, where when Rangers made the UEFA Cup final and we were playing a lot of games. So we were like, I, remember, I think we had to play three games in one week at one point. And uh, yeah, and obviously look what happened that season. I, like I'm not just saying this right because that was a good Celtic team. So it was that was a really good Celtic team. But see the fact we were and you we made UEFA Cup final and we had a lot of games to play. That obviously benefited you a lot and that played a I feel like a crucial part in you winning that title. Of course it does, mate. We things like that do play a big factor, and a lot of people maybe just don't think of it. But like, I always kind of think. Oh. I don't want to be playing more games than you know my opposition because you're going to go in with a bit of a disadvantage. I definitely mate, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And overall, mate, obviously the old firm making uh, Europa League, it's good for Scottish football. It's good for the coefficient. That's what we need. We need more Scottish teams in Europe. Definitely, mate. I um, just so you maybe don't have to go through as many qualifying rounds for Champions League or Europa League. I think it's a bit of a joke. The 
Uh, the amount of rounds we've got to play. Yeah, exactly. And uh, unfortunately, Josh's team, Aberdeen, cannot join us this uh, year in Europa League. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We won. Um, the first few matches we done well, but I think when we came up against Reykjavik, they were just like so much better, um, both home and away. Well, I think the the first leg, um, we were a bit better. We were able to soak up the pressure, but. Yeah, I think after what Logan done was stupid and gave away the the penalty which they scored and it kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> you know, I watched that game. Scott McKenna looked like he didn't want to be there. And, uh, and I think that was like a week after the whole Nottingham Forest thing because I think he handed in a transfer request and obviously That's got rejected, rejected by the club. You could tell by the way he was playing that game. He was just no happy. No, and I think from then uh, it just went in a downward spiral for us, both in the league and in Europe, you know. So, but yeah, but and like you were saying, it's good how we've got two Scottish teams in Europe. Um, hopefully, like in the upcoming years, we'll get more in it. It would be nice to see other teams and other Scottish teams making it. It's been a long time since that's happened. Aye. And obviously on the topic of Europa League, and let's talk about the groups, right? Obviously Celtic qualified, Tony, and Celtic and Rangers both qualified. And uh, what did you make of uh, your last qualifying game? Um, were you very, obviously very satisfied, satisfied, very good away performance? I, I was delighted with the performance, mate, to be honest with you. I thought especially going into an old firm game and making a statement like that, against a decent team that has to be said was ideal um, comfortable win I said to you that I thought it would have been a bit of a scrappy game or we'd, we'd been fortunate enough to get a draw so I, I'd have taken that result yeah, incre- yeah credit bit Stu yeah I care a pretty as you say decent side so they were they're no slouches no they are they're, they're a very good team they're Swedish champions you know it's teams like that usually that we've had trouble with over the years so I to go and get a result home and away regardless brilliant can't complain at all and your group stage uh, what do you make of that Tony you've obviously got Kludge yet again <laughs> going to be playing them a couple more times inevitable, mate, it? <laughs> yeah trying to get redemption for obviously knocking you out the Champions League so you've got Kludge Lazio and Rennes Rennes how do you say it Ren sorry no, my pronunciation is terrible <laughs> Ren so how do you feel about the group then I think it's a, it's a tough group, there's no question about it, but I don't think it's the toughest group we could have got. I think we could qualify, I'm not saying we'll win the group by any means, but I think we could definitely go for second. Lazio are not that great a team, they're, they're obviously a good team, but I wouldn't say they're outstanding. It's a team that you should at least get a home result against. I think, think, uh, think Ren's probably your toughest team in there, personally. A Ren are a good team. I know they beat PSG recently as well, so yeah. I mean, they, they probably will be one of the harder games. So, Tony, how many points are you looking for in this group? Like you're, you said that you're confident you can get second. So, realistically, right, let's second. look at it, right? Kluge, home and away. Right, what are you looking at there? I think we should be 100% beating Kluge at home, no questions asked. I think, to be honest, Ian, just in the grand scheme of things, we should be going to win all of our home games. If you can get at least a draw or score away from home, I'll take that. And then yeah. Lazio, home and away, what are you thinking? I think 
that game. As you said, uh, oh, sorry to interrupt Tony, but uh, as you said, home games, yes, need to go for it. Away games, like draw, <laughs> I, I used to get something out of away games, then you'll be very content. Away games, you should just be looking to score first or just get that away goal because it can make some difference, especially if it's you're taking that into your home leg as the next tie. Um, I, I just think we should be looking to go over there, be brave, no, not necessarily to win, but to get a goal or a draw, I would take that. And I'm sure most other Celtic fans would take that. So, Josh, do you think Celtic can get out of this group? I think, like you were saying, I think if they win all their home games and go in battle and uh, when they're away and hold no fear, I think they could get through. It'll be tough, but it's not impossible, you know. And uh, well, obviously, well, uh, well, Tony, before we do uh, move on to the Rangers group, what game are you looking forward to the most? Obviously, Lazio, Lazio I imagine, or Cluj for a wee bit of redemption? Uh, Lazio probably, mate, just because it'll be the biggest tie, or the biggest game we'll be playing against. And also, I think it's definitely a winnable game, especially at home. So, aye, Lazio, I'd say. And uh, like, we'll talk about Rangers group, but before we do that, we need to talk about the Legia Warsaw game. Uh, obviously Rangers won 1-0 Tony um, I was at the game for me one of the best European nights I've experienced at Ibrox it had it all atmosphere the, the Legia uh, Warsaw fans setting off a flare honestly god mate what a visual it was it was fantastic the place was rocking it was bouncing and it was credit to Legia Warsaw fans they are unbelievable mate they are. They were. They were non-stop singing. They weren't even watching the game, mate. They were just singing, like making a fantastic atmosphere. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, they've got that reputation, haven't they? They're, they're known for having mental ultras and going after heats. But uh, it seemed I didn't watch the game, mate. To be honest, I watched I think the last ten minutes, and he's ended up scoring. So typical that, in it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always want these to go to extra time. Oh mate, like obviously looking back now, it didn't really matter anyway. But that's the thing I was dreading the most. I was like, oh no, no extra time. I cannot be bothered with this. Then obviously last minute, Jordan Jones delivers a beautiful cross in, and Alfredo uh, heads it into the back of the net. And honestly, after that, mate, pandemonium and I broke. It was the scenes were unbelievable. Uh, it was fantastic, and uh, yeah, it was it was what a moment. Like qualifying for Europa League, scoring at the last minute. It was, we didn't have long left. I think it was just like a few minutes left in the clock. Then oh, it was great, so it was, mate. And it made it even sweeter, Tony, knowing the fact that Arthur Boric was in the Liga Warsaw section. So I remember I was on my phone and I seen a photo of him and I'm like, I really hope we win this one. I really hope I really hope we just like just win in the, win in the most cuntiest way possible. And that's what we done. Last minute winner <laughs> to send them a uh, home packing. Of course, it was Morelos and all, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly, exactly, mate. It was, a, it, it was the fact that uh, I think it was about a couple, of, a minute even or so before that, uh, the goal, uh, Liga nearly scored as well. And I remember just thinking to myself, oh, that was their chance. And then Rangers basically ran up the park and scored. Yeah, it was, as I said earlier, Jordan, Jane, Jordan James, <laughs> Jordan Jones was a game changer. So he was. He totally changed the game, and oh, honestly, what a beautiful cross that was! I watched it non-stop, mate, as you can imagine. But see, overall in the game, it was it was fairly even, mate. It was a that game could have went either way, and there was nothing really much between the sides. It was a really compact game. It was a very physical game. So it was, and it was 
it was very, it was, see for that, even though the game, for the majority of it was nil-nil, it was still very uh, fast-tempo game, so it was. And it was like, yeah, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, like it's even every 50-50 corner, everything, it was just, it was a nerve-wracking game, so it was. Uh, European games are like that, mate. Yeah, of <laughs> course, mate. Really, they're very unpredictable. Yeah, exactly. And Leisure Wassel, good sign, mate. That was a big result. Because um, last year, we got the rub of the green when it came to, like, the Europa League qualifiers. And when we got Leisure, I was like, oh, this is going to be a tricky one. And obviously, we drew 0-0 with them uh, away from home, then beat them basically like the, the last, well, a few minutes to go so yeah very happy we qualified mate over the moon that, uh, us qualifying got us Ryan Kent and uh, we'll talk about the Rangers group mate and if I'm being honest this is a this is quite a tough group to be fair uh, it's a tough group there's some good ties there but there's a good few away trips there yeah and see to be honest mate like I, th- I think you might have been the same I, want, I wanted to get like a Man United I did. I wanted to get like a Man United or a an Arsenal, like a like a big big glamour tie like that. I can understand that, mate. You obviously want to play against the kind of bigger teams and just kind of enjoy the occasion the best you can. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I'll read out a uh, Rangers group: Feyenoord, Porto, uh, and Young Boys. Some good sides there. I think Porto, uh, will be the alpha team of the group. They'll finish first. Uh, I I can imagine that Feyenoord. They're a good side too. Young boys, decent side as well. It, this group is much tougher than the group we were in last year. Um, it's not impossible to get out of Tony, I don't think. It's not impossible. I, I think every no, team... I say that. Yeah, I think uh, it's not impossible whatsoever. Um, I think every team can take points off each other. Um, I think it'll go right down to the wire. I think it will be, it will be tight between all four teams. So, I'm just looking for us to get maximum points from our home games and away games like basically the same mind- mindset as you Tony anything away from home I'll be very content with I said mate uh, I personally do think you will do very well to even finish third in your group just given the fact that it is a tough group it's, uh, then again if you do manage to win all your home games as you said then you die anything could happen but I think it's kind of critical that if Rangers do want to get out of their group they need to win all their home games by like 100% yeah because that was our downfall last season uh, uh, at home like obviously beat Rapid Vienna and then Villarreal uh, we drew then drew with Spartak so that and then obviously with small margins we lost to Spartak away from home uh, 4-3 uh, which was a, a sore one and see when we played Villarreal away from home mate that was that honestly, I'm not just saying this. I think we should have won that because obviously yes, we got. Yes, that should have won that. Yeah, because towards towards the end of the game, Scotty Arfield had a brilliant chance and he should have buried it. So and obviously we fit, fit drew to each and then right after that I was like happy we drew but we should have won that. <laughs> you know. Was it Lafferty or somebody had missed a sitter as well? I'm sure. I think yeah, I'm sure he had a chance to win it or something. And he, I can't even mind if he skies it or put it wide. It's, I, can't, I can't recall. I think you might be right. Um, but the game, the, the moment it really stands out in that game is towards the end when Scotty Arfield had a great chance and he just, oh, he just like scuffed it. And Barisic was at fault for uh, one of Villarreal's goals, and then he made up for it right away. Obviously, played a superb pass uh, through. I think he played. I think he might have got assisted in that game actually. Uh, and uh, for our second goal, it might have been. Um, but yeah, uh, this group is much tougher than the group last year, and it's not impossible to get out of whatsoever. Um, what tie are you most looking forward to? 
Porto at home. I think that'll be a a real good game. So it'll be that'll be a real test for us as well, mate. Porto are a good side, and that'll be a real challenge. And I, and now, uh, now, mate, now that, that that that's where we can really test ourselves and see how good we think we really are. If you know what I'm saying. They're a dirty side, and all right enough, but so against teams like that. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. I think if Feyenoord some tight, I would have, actually, I would have wanted Feyenoord because I quite like them. I think that'd have been a good tie and a good away trip. I would take that. Are oh, you going to go to any away games in Europe League, Tony? I doubt it, mate. Too skint to do that, unfortunately, but aye, it would be nice to go to, I think, the Lazio tie or even the Ren tie would be a good one to go to. Oh mate, those Lazio fans are absolutely nuts, by the way. Celtic fans going to Rome I don't think they'll kill <laughs> God help Paul Tim If he goes to Lazio away By the way <laughs> That's all I'm saying he is, he, is, he is going to Lazio away He's tweeted oh. about it I don't know how many times <laughs> oh, God help him man God help him If the Lazio fans Get a hold of him By the way <laughs> Oh no mate Oh man he actually tweeted, uh, what is it, he said Celtic are due a before the draw, uh, Celtic are due a tie in Rome, I can't wait, and then obviously <laughs> ended up getting one, so. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Enjoy wee things like that, I suppose. Mm, yeah, definitely, mate. So, we'll move on from uh, the old firm, and we'll talk about something even more depressing than, obviously, mate, well... I would say Royal Firm game is more depressing to be fair actually <laughs> but uh, Scotland is uh, depressing also um, being Scottish is depressing <laughs> <laughs> that's why I like England mate <laughs> oh, right. well, no, I wouldn't go that far <laughs> right. so Josh Scotland got beat 2-1 off Russia on Friday night and we lost to Belgium 4-0 honest to god um, same old same old isn't it Josh Scotland just rubbish as always. Yeah, it's the same old story. Um, yeah, I I think as far as it comes to the Belgium game, I think it was just a matter of how much did we get um, to try and not um, take as much damage as possible. I think we all knew we were never going to win, but but when it came to Russia, I thought like like we could have got something out of that team. I don't think. I didn't. I don't know a lot about Russia, but they kind of. I thought they were pretty average, but yeah, to end up losing that game was a hard one to take. Um, I just think our team isn't good at gelling well together. You know. That's a good point. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I know Steve Clark's just in the door, but I think he needs to try and find something quickly how to get these players all blending well together and linking up play. You know, because I just. Just that lack of creativity we had, you know? Yeah, exactly. And in, in, in Russia, Josh, I thought as soon as we scored that first goal, we, for some odd reason, sat off Russia, played the 10 men behind the ball, and we looked petrified, we looked so nervous, and we just let them come at us. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know what it was. I think... I, I know, obviously, John McGinn um, let me tell you, I actually think John McGinn did. John McGinn did go up at halftime. I'm sure. Yeah, I didn't know if was he. I didn't know if he was injured or not. But I thought once we left, once he was off, like that's what I'm saying before. Just that lack of creativity, and that gave Russia the boost. Obviously, going up the park and scoring the other one, um, in the second half, um, they could have went three or four up as well. To be honest with you, um. 
Well, yeah, nothing clear cut from yeah. us. Yeah, 2-1 flattered us, by the way. That should have been a hell of a lot more. Yeah, uh, they were up for it, you know. Um, all their players seemed to be up for it, and they were taking the ball really well. And our defence was just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. it was. I thought it was utterly shambolic. Uh, so it was. And it was... I, I, as you say, Josh, the way Scotland set up, it wasn't... It wasn't anything like there was no creativity there, to be honest. And I don't know what it's. I don't know what Scotland's style is. Do you? I really don't understand it. Like, like most teams actually have styles, right? When you look at Northern Ireland, right? They have a style. They're well drilled, yeah. well organized, right? And you see on paper, Tony, I actually think we've got much better players individually than Northern Ireland. But they've got a good manager. They've got a plan. They've got a philosophy, and as I said, well organized, well drilled, and they're hard to beat. And they gave Germany a good game the other night, by the way. A really good game. And te- when you see teams like Northern Ireland making the Euros, right, and making the last 16 while we're sitting at home, is, for me, really, really poor. No, I mean, I agree with everything you've said. I, I couldn't point out anything that you've said that I disagree with either. I, we, we do have a better team than Northern Ireland on paper, but... We, I, we lack any form of creativity, any form of style. There's zero plan. It's just a case of turning up and just hoping kind of you don't get beat by two or three. Uh, in fact, getting beat two 0 these days for Scotland's probably a like, flattering result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that just shows you the sad state of it, like affairs, isn't it? It's embarrassing, mate. Honestly, like my see, even with, like the Russia game, for example, right? We went one 0 up. I'm not saying like that's should have kind of would have really made much of a difference but see I can think of numerous Scotland games over the years right it, no matter who's been our manager we're, we've went 1-0 up and we've sat off them and invited the other uh, the other team back in here and it's always cost us I think we've done it against Wales years ago it was in Wales it was, I think we went 1-0 up and they ended up coming back winning 2-1 because we sat off them uh, it happened against um, who do you call them as well uh, Poland again Poland there a few years ago against Edwin's sorry Strachan was in charge we went one up then we managed to go I think they equalised we went to 22-1 and then they ended up equalising again it's just Scotland all over same crap every year mm-hmm. yeah no I couldn't agree more mate like it's we spoke about it in Saturday actually Tony like same old same old with Scotland where you go into a group with optimism then you get like under Strachan we're getting a few good results and then we just go and bottle it towards the end. Like, happened One in the World result. Cup campaign, happened in the the Euro campaign. Just it's always one result, mate, against a team that you should be beating at Costas. It's like, it puts, like, a kind of defeatist damper in the campaign. So, for instance, this year it was the Kazakhstan game. From that point on, even though it was, like, I think, one of the very first games, if not the first game, you're already... You know what I mean? The, fucking, the fact that you've lost three nothing to Kazakhstan in recent years, it's been Georgia. Uh, yeah. Else if we could beat off um, teams like San Marino and all that as well, and uh, it's just, just honestly, mate, it is embarrassing. No, it really is. It's it, it's it's sad. It's it's really really sad. So it is just the it fact is. that. Oh, sorry. Before you say anything, uh, right, sorry, sorry, interrupt. Um, Josh, do you know how you said John McGinn went off at half time? I think no, he did, went off at the 60th minute. Sorry. I was at the 60th minute. Ah, it was the 60th minute, yeah. sorry. Eddie, obviously, Ryan Christie came on. 
I, I think it might be a wee knock, I'm not too sure, but yeah, just a wee correction there from earlier on. Um, but yeah, as you were saying, Tony, uh, it's we beat teams that we are like get decent results against teams that we shouldn't, but when it comes to wee teams like Georgia or whatever, we can't beat them. genuinely think we need to completely revamp the way Scottish football is, especially at an international level. We need a foreign manager and somebody that's going to play different, somebody that's going to introduce a different way of playing rather than just hoofing the ball up the park and playing so negative and defeatist. We need somebody different and a different approach because it's now worked and what is it, over 20 years now, it's something that really has to be done. No, I couldn't agree more. And see, since Steve Clark's came in, uh, Josh, since Steve Clark's came in, there's been no improvement in the team whatsoever. No major improvement. Um, nothing's changed whatsoever. I know it's still very early days under Steve Clark, right? And I, I still think right now he is the correct man for the job. But my God, man, like, I th- it's it's been terrible. He's only won one game so far. Yeah, no, I mean, like, today... I knew, did he not play a friendly before the first two games there? And we won, but it's against, a, was it Cyprus, I think? Was it 2-1 or something like that? I think you might be right. Uh, well, we'll just say that, but, like, um, yeah, hopefully that would kickstart or something, but against teams like Russia, I mean, I would I would think at Hamden at least um, we should be going in winning having that mentality, you know. But just another thing to bring in as well, like also the lack of creativity, I know that was an element we were missing, but a lack of atmosphere as well. Yeah, you I know? think we're all in agreement here. Hamden is terrible for atmosphere. It's the worst stadium out. That's a horrible stadium. Like, it's, the thing is, like, I know, like, I think it was last season or the season before when we played England and it was 2-2. I mean... And it was at hands, and then the atmosphere there was great. But I think it's for certain games with Scotland, like they'll turn up, they'll raise their game against certain teams that are big, like England, etc. But when it comes to teams like, say, I don't know, Kazakhstan, they just don't perform at all, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think it is partly the fact that Hamden is a abysmal stadium doesn't really matter where you're sitting in Hamden you're getting a crap view and also the transport trying to get home and that from Hamden is a nightmare so I just think a lot of Scotland fans are kind of thinking oh I'm not going through all the hassle of trying to get to Hamden and get home to Hamden to go and see teams like Cyprus I do get what you're saying they turn up against the big games and don't against the lesser and it doesn't help the fact, by the way, the ticket prices are ridiculous. I think, you know the, the game against Russia? By the way, it was 30 quid. And the game against Belgium is 35 quid. That's a joke. Yeah. Total joke. And it's like you were saying before, like you're paying, what, 30 plus quid for a ticket. Then you're having to pay on top of that your, your like, transport to the stadium and back, you know, and paying all that and then coming home with a loss <laughs> isn't going to... It's putting a dampener on your evening, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And do you know what I find really cringe about you, right? I see it pretty much every single day on my timeline. Um, when people share Lee Griffiths uh, two free kicks against England, right? And I'm just I like, know, we drew. See if you won it, fair I, enough. I, it was a draw. <laughs> no, no. 
Like that, that that's our highs for Scotland. Like you know what I mean? We don't have any real other than I'd say James McFadden's goals against France and maybe that campaign. That's that for me personally as a Scotland fan, that is my highlight of what I've witnessed in my lifetime. I agree. Is a high for Scotland. Yeah. We didn't even qualify, you know what I mean? That's the irony of it. I know. And that was yeah. that was the last time Scotland were actually a good side, well organised, drilled, um, didn't have a lot of top top quality players, but we can get re- we we can get results back then. Like beat uh, what was that? I think we beat uh, um, France home and away. Yeah, is, is that correct? Away, uh, Aye. Um, we beat Ukraine. I think it was as well. Yeah, and we yeah, should have qualified. I think but well, we're not like a game away for qualifying, but Italy got like a dodgy. Like, uh, I don't remember that. I can't remember that. Like, Heartbreaking. Uh, aye. It was always to do with draw with Italy, I'm sure. And yeah, then. And like. Uh, last kicker, the bomb, man. Yeah. But no, Linky's were saying that's probably the best, the last, best campaign we've had, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like him at least. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's. And again, the fact that we still didn't qualify. Uh, exactly, and it was. Uh, I remember it. Like I was, I was greeting. I was heartbroken. I was devastated. Like because we put so much work and effort into that game. Then one dodgy free kick that should never have been a free Aye. kick in a million years. They score, and then it was. I just remember Craig Gordon's face right after it. He just looked oh, yeah. so deflated, heartbroken. <laughs> Everyone did, and that was under Alex McLeish and. And then right after that, Alex McLeish left to go down south and manage Birmingham. And ever since then, mate, it's been a downward spiral. George Burley came in, then Craig Levine, then Strachan, then McLeish again. And then obviously we've got Steve Clark right now. And yeah, it's, I, do you know what? Honestly, I think the whole thing just needs completely revamped. Yeah, it needs ripped up, start fresh. We need to follow the models of Northern Ireland, Iceland, Belgium, Germany. We need to follow these models. It'll take time, but we need to do it because, like, look at Belgium. They they before before like ten years ago, they were never a great side. Look at them now; they're a world class side. They made the World Cup semi finals. Yeah, Aye, definitely. I think, I think the other way like you were saying about restarting our style. Is that I think what we concentrate more is on the players in Scotland is the fitness part of it, where other countries are focusing on like what you can do with the ball, like you start from the ball, like on the way upwards, you know. Yeah. I just think technically wise, the rest of the other countries in Europe have better technical players than us, you know. Yeah, and it's, it starts with the grassroots coaching as well, where yeah. from a young age. <laughs> Players, uh, young like young boys are getting, like, like systems and philosophies installed in them, and they're obviously they have a style. They have like look at teams like Belgium, Germany, Iceland, Northern Ireland. They have a style, and it works its way up from grassroots level. Then you look at us. We just have that mentality of let's just hoof the ball at the park. And as Josh said, made a great point. We just concentrate in fitness. That's it. Of course, fitness is a a crucial part of the game but that's not like there need, there's more to it there needs to be good coaching from a youth level and and for me we've not got that no we don't mate uh, I honestly think that 
honestly think we need to try and adopt a similar philosophy to the way the Dutch kind of do their kind of they run their youth systems because they from a really young age get like, the young guys to like, play in every position so then you can kind of naturally see where you're best playing here it's just a case of oh I'm a striker oh I'm a centre mid and that's kind of you're kind of taking the boys word for it you know what I mean it's kind of there it's like no we're going to tell you where you're playing and we're going to find out where you're the best mm-hmm. and I just think we need some form of approach like that I just Something has to be done, you know. Yeah, no, you're spot on, mate. And, and for example, look at a player like Andy Robertson. For me, probably Scotland's best player, right? He is killing it in England right now. European champion, playing for Liverpool week in, week out. And he's having, he's at all time high club level. But see, at international level, Josh, I don't understand it. He just can't hack it. The guy, we know the guy's got the ability, we know he's top class, but for some. Odd reason at a national level, he just can't do it. Is it because he's surrounded by utter dross, or like the way uh, Clark is like instructing him, or the players around? I don't know. What do you think it is? Um, I don't know. I think I don't know. I kind of look at this both ways. I was thinking about this the other day. Is that I look at players like if you play in the Premier League, like Andy Roberts and McTominay and John McGinn recently now. I just kind of feel sorry for them because I do think they obviously give their the whole heart for the team, but I just think the rest of the players are not probably up at their level. Um, and I'm not jumping to sound like harsh on the rest of the other players. I think we have quality in the rest of those players individually, but I think there's obviously a massive gap in quality in the weeks they play in, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to Robertson, I mean, look at, you just said yourself, he plays... He's just won the European Champions League with Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And look at the players he plays alongside there, you know. So I think if you play along, alongside the best of the bestest of players, you're obviously going to get a boost for yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. In Scotland right now, and their confidence in the way they're playing, there's just no one who can kind of take them forward right now, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's never a captain, but he's never the captain. Yeah, I oh, think. No, no, I yeah, think I agree with that. I think he just gave him the armband. I think McLeish gave him the armband because he's playing at elite level for uh, one of the biggest clubs in England in Liverpool, and he just probably thought, "Oh, I'll give it to him. Why not? Like that. Probably that will appease him. That will get the fans on board or whatever." And and also when you look at Celtic, there's no that Celtic team. When you look at that Scotland team, there's no real leaders. <laughs> Honestly, God, there's actually no real leaders in that team. No, yeah, mate, you're right. I was trying to think the other day, who would you genuinely have as a Scotland captain? And there's no one that stands out. I know. Nah, I and, can't think of anyone. And, really. and see, that, like, when you look at defensively, we're not great. Midfield, it's, it's very hit and miss. Metomini, I, I don't understand the hype, boys. I don't get it. I don't understand the hype surrounding Metomini. I don't it, get it either, mate. It's because I think the only reason folk are uh, bigging him up so much is because he plays for Man United. And let's be honest, Man United are rotten right now. Aye, they're a diabolical team right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, honestly, I there's plenty of better, there's better midfielders than talk, Scott McTominay, like, for example, Cal McGregor. Um, for me, I'm not even just saying this, right? I think Ryan Jack's better than Scott McTominay. I just, like, Scott McTominay would, honest to God, like, he is, like, mid-level championship. No, not mid-level, but championship level. That's what he is. He's not, or more, very low-end EPL level. 
least Ryan Jack's played week in, week out. You know, Scott McTominay's like, sometimes he's playing, he's in and out the team, you know. At least Ryan Jack's consistently played. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's yeah. even someone like Stephen Gerrard, who's one of the greatest midfielders of all time, is saying that Ryan Jack is going to be something special and is something special. Like, obviously he's an Rangers manager, but for him to come out and publicly say that and back him to the hill, that speaks volumes. That someone like Gerard, you can say what you want about him, the guy knows midfielders. So, but yeah, like, obviously going back to Scotland, um, obviously the, the the team sheet that and the, the system Clark played was just non-existent. There was no creativity whatsoever. And, the fact, and also, Steve O'Donnell, um, Tony. Oh, like, Steve O'Donnell, um, honest to God, he is a decent player at Kilmarnock, right? Decent player at that level. Never in a million years is he good enough to play for Scotland. Not a chance. I, honestly, I mean, I would rather be playing Alan Hutton over Steve O'Donnell. That's saying something. And Alan Hutton's passed it. <laughs> you know, the thing is, mate, like, see, when you look at our midfield, I don't actually think our midfield's that bad. I'd say overall our midfield's the best kind of positions we've got. Defence and up front right now for Scotland is the absolute, oh, it is the worst. Yeah. The fact that, see, see guys like Charlie Mulgrew, right, who were relevant in 2011, I just don't know, like, why he, for example, is still in the team. If players like him, like, why? You know, I know there's not really anyone else, like, we don't really have many centre-backs, but why is John Sutter not in the squad? I'm not saying John Sutter's, like, a great player, right, but he's a young guy. He's better than what we've got. It should be players like him, you know, we're trying to get in, just change it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And Charlie Mulgrew, as you say, he's not been relevant since 2011. He's playing at Blackburn Rovers, right? And he's he playing centre half. He's with him um, two seasons back as well. I'm sorry, uh, what did you say there, uh, Josh? No, I think a few seasons ago he got relegated with him. So yeah, down to League One. Explained it. Yeah, uh, and but they're obviously back now, but in the championship. But no, I just like you say, I don't see how how old is he as well. He's in his thirties anyway. Uh, yeah, and oh, see, all uh, Burnley, right? Ah, uh, oh, right. I do not rate Ollie McBurney as a footballer, right? I don't... Oh, mate, don't get me started. <laughs> right, I don't rate him as a footballer, right? And I thought he was poor uh, against Russia. I thought he was really poor. But I felt as though he was getting made a scapegoat um, when really I thought there was worse players in the park, i.e. Stevie O'Donnell. I think a lot of Scotland fans don't like Ollie McBurney because obviously the whole incident that came out a few days before the squad was announced they kind of made a scene about oh he didn't really want to get picked or didn't want to play or something like that uh-huh. and the fact that I just think he's a crap footballer like, I don't know how that guy is a footballer like 20 um, million he got that move I to Sheffield eh, no Sheffield eh, I Sheffield United yeah he got 20 million honestly mate I've seen better footballers than the recce like, I don't know how <laughs> he plays I think uh, Scotland's problem up front is see all the strikers we've got they're not the best and also they're kind of small and lightweight we need a big strong physical striker somebody that can hold the ball up and somebody that will just kind of suit that style of playing mm-hmm. yeah and it, we haven't got any strikers that's it that, exactly. <laughs> we don't have exactly. any strikers and also mate goalkeeper as well David Marshall come on like it, it's it, it, like, it's desperation, that's what it is. Because, uh, see, 
Outlaws losing Al McGregor. That is that is a big big blow for us losing Al McGregor. And it, it speaks a lot though, Tony. Like that the fact that players are just they don't want to play for their country anymore. Scott Brown retiring, McGregor retiring. Just like there's no lure to for playing for Scotland anymore. It's all about cl- club football, you know. And obviously, Tony, you're the same. You're the exact same as me. And Josh would be the exact same as me. We support our clubs more than our country. Of course, like, uh, at, least, at least your club play at a decent standard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 I see. <laughs> I, honestly, right now, I like I'm not cared about Scotland in years. Like, of course, I want Scotland to do well, but the matter of fact is, like, the Scotland fans are disenchanted. They don't care, and um, they're spending a fortune in tickets to go watch absolute crap, right? And. It, like I was one years old when we qualified for the World Cup in 1998 right and I've never seen Scotland qualify in my lifetime neither of, neither of you is right the, the big question is right <clears throat> are we going to qualify for the Euros and we've got probably the best chance out right when it comes to this playoff because we're not getting out of this group right as Tony Tony you said on Saturday our chances were dead when we got beat off Kazakhstan 3-0 and uh, uh, exactly so that's the big question I'm going to pose these right now uh, Josh are we going to get out this uh, sorry are we going to make the playoffs uh, sorry get through the playoffs <laughs> third time lucky Josh Josh we lost him I think we've lost Josh um, Tony so you're still here um, <laughs> are we going to make it out of these playoffs Yeah, I think he'll still want to get some redemption over his tenure at Celtic. <laughs> of course he will, mate. Yeah. I just, I don't know. There's no chance I see his qualifying. Like, I, I really hope I'm wrong. Like, I don't mean like I want to see his fail. I really don't. I would love to see Scotland qualify, but it's there's a difference between being realistic and being delusional. Exactly. You're spot on, mate. And uh, before we, we head off, we just I want to just obviously bring up the Belgian game and I thought how embarrassing we were throughout that game the fact that obviously going into it I didn't expect us to get anything but I thought we could at least be competitive and give them a, a, a game right and uh, as I t- brought up earlier on Northern Ireland Northern Ireland gave Germany a game right and they were very unlucky to lose that game and they put in a great shift then there's no excuses from us not to at least give Belgium a game and we couldn't even do that we just we got bullied off them we were 3-0 down 30 minutes and it was like a training session for them. It was cushy for them. They didn't. They weren't even in uh, fifth gear. Aye, they were always winning the game, as you said, mate. But look, we should have made it harder for them than what we did. Aye, we did. We just basically bent over for them and let them go about their kind of their business. And aye, get big being punished for it. Aye, exactly. And I think Josh is back. Josh, you there, big man? Uh, sorry, I, I don't know. I think there was something about my Wi-Fi. That's alright, mate. Ask a question. Uh, yes, ask a question. Um, do you think Scotland will make it through the playoffs and make Euro 2020? Uh, I think they'll make it through the playoffs. I think they'll 
Nah. <laughs> nah, straight nah. to the point. <laughs> nah, I just don't think we will. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I don't like international break. Oh, international <laughs> break, is that a prison sentence for us, by the way? It actually is. <laughs> I don't know, uh, especially if you're Scottish. But I, I, I just don't see us going through. I just don't see the team gelling. I'd win at playoffs anyway. Mm, so, would you say that, Josh? When are the playoffs anyway? You know? uh, I'm actually not too sure. I'm not too sure. Um, I know. I think I it's after know. the group stage. After the groups are all done, so I think it will be maybe. I think, oh, like what time of the year? Do you I think it might be around. God, I'm not too sure. I think it oh, might be I, March time. I think it's the new year anyway. I'm sure. Because uh, obviously uh, Euros are next year, so. Um, yeah, I might like Steve Clark can perform a miracle and he finds out a way how to gel the team together then no, I can't really yeah. see us. So here's a question, right, before we head off, right, one last question. Um, if Scotland do not make Euro 2020, should Steve Clark get sacked? No. Josh? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't I think, think it so would either. Be harsh considering he's came essentially halfway through the campaign. Yeah, I know, and I do think he is the right guy. And obviously, he's had a poor start, but if we don't do well under Steve Clark, the game's a ball game, man. We'll just and it doesn't help the fact that the SFA are utterly, utterly clueless, and they they just. Did you see what they said uh, earlier on the day? That after the Belgium game, they want they're going to look into an like a revamp and see where they're going wrong. How many times have you heard this absolute garbage, man? Yeah. Like, no, no, they're so incompetent, mate. Oh, mate, so infuriating. Doesn't help the fact that right we're clueless right from the start, right, right from right from top to bottom, from the SFA, and it oh, it's just a complete and utter unmitigated disaster. That's what it is. So, yeah. I don't see Thank anything you. improving for Scotland. I really don't. Uh, do I think we'll qualify for the Euros? Uh, nah, I don't. <laughs> I just don't, to be honest. <laughs> see, what was it? One of the, obviously, after the Belgium game, I think, was it Yuri Tillemans, his name? Like, he said, like, Scotland are just as bad as San Marino. <laughs> oh, did he actually say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Scotland are just like San Marino. Yeah. Because he'd beat them, like, 4 0, like, was it a few days before? Yeah, he's, he's not wrong. <laughs> exactly, we're yeah, no far off it, man. That. Remember we played San Marino and then we we struggled to beat them two 0 Yeah. No. Oh. Uh, no, that's just embarrassing. I know. know. The sad state of affairs, boys. It is really a sad state of affairs. But uh, it was a pleasure having you uh, on, boys, and uh, back next week, same time, same place, to discuss the proper football. Back to club football this weekend. Thank God. And then oh, I'm about it. Oh, no, I can't wait. So, boys, thank you for coming on. And uh, pleasure as always. And we'll speak to you soon. Cheers again, mate. Thank you. See you later. Thanks.